our eighth episode of Biobang. We are one of probably the only conference um, that is actually goes on long enough to have its own podcast. Uh, the conference is not currently going on, but we are gearing up for Dynacon 2 after a very successful Dynacon 1 in Thailand. If you were just joining us, uh, we had epic adventures for eight weeks where we had different artists, technologists, packers, and strange weirdos, and entities, and mystical dumplings come and visit our wonderful podcast um, and discuss life and nature and recycling and uh, government agencies set up to uh, quash fish rebellions against plastic pollution, um, all kinds of the best topics that you could expect out of any quality podcast. Um, our previous time that we spoke, and by we, I mean me speaking to you, um, few people are actually talking back to me in this podcast. We were setting sail from Thailand, done with Thailand for the end of Dynacon 1, and we were heading out into the sea and into the unknown. Since then, there's been many journeys, and we will discuss those all, perhaps, in some uh, flashback prequel episode of the podcast, uh, Missing Episodes, where you get to learn about all of our mystical adventures across the Pacific Ocean. But, for now, I just kind of hopped off. Um, I saw this, this beautiful place. I was actually reading this book about John Muir. Um, and I'm joined today with our guest, uh, Alex, um, uh, who I just met. And, and Alex, I wanted to tell you about this cool thing I read about uh, this guy named John Muir. He was, he made a bunch of like, you know, giant trees in California. You ever been to any like Muir Woods or anything like yes, that? Yes, actually, from California. Cool, Born in perfect. in San Francisco, so I know very well what you're talking about. You've seen all the trees he invented. All but, of them. But do you know what he was up to before he invented these really big trees? No, no. He was in Indiana, and he was busy working in some factory or something, blinds himself, um... And he gets, like, some stuff flies in his eye, and he can't see for months. And then it, he's just locked in, like, a dark room for months and months. Um, eventually his eyesight comes back to him. He runs outside, and he's just so happy to see nature. He's like, fuck all this shit. I'm fucking going to where cool nature is. So he was really into Alexander Humboldt and was like, I want to go to the tropics. And so he first walks to Florida um, from Indiana, as you do, and then he takes a boat down to Cologne, um, and he goes down to, to Panama. But then, for some reason, he couldn't hang out in Panama and had to, like, hurry up and take a train across Panama and then go all the way up to California to invent trees that are really big. Um, and But while he was doing that, he was taking this train across Panama, and right in the middle of going through Panama, he just saw all this beautiful jungle that the train was going by, and he starts crying. He starts crying. And so I was on this boat with Tasneem, with Yannick, with all the cool people that we took off from, uh, from Thailand, and we were heading somewhere else, but I'm like, oh, I see these big, giant tears that are just hanging out on the side of this canal, and I'm like, I gotta hop off here. Those are John Muir's tears. I gotta, I gotta figure out what this cool nature is up to. So that's the only reason I'm here. I hopped off in the canal, swam up the side, um, 
hugged some of John Muir's giant uh, crystallized tears uh, that we have right on the canal, mm -hmm. and then I climbed up this nearest uh, canopy tower because I wanted to kind of survey what was going on, and then I met this cool person named Alex. So, Alex, where the hell are we? We are in Gamboa, Gamboa, okay. Panama. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm actually here because I work with uh, the Smithsonian, the Smithsonian Tropical Research Institute. Ah. Um, but yeah, it's a gorgeous place in Panama, right on Gatun Lake. Awesome place to do research. Cool. What hemisphere would you say this is? Southern hemisphere. <laughs> We're in the southern hemisphere. Okay, cool. What continent would you say this is? <laughs> Central America? Central America. Okay, if you had to choose, I'm just asking because I've noticed that the whole continent seems pretty much chopped in half right here. And I got off on the right side, but where I could have got off we? on the left where side. Where are we? Where are we? No, so, like, okay. we're, both, we're both like... Are we actually in the Northern Hemisphere right now? I think we're in the northern hemisphere. Jesus I've been <laughs> so I've just been using we are stars. Granted, I just Jesus came out, um, but it looked about like North Star. I was saying like a full like seven, eight degrees off the horizon to me. So that that's my just kind of general guess. What latitude are we at? I think like seven or eight degrees Jeez. north. <laughs> nine. nine, nine even. Awesome. So this is good. We're all getting we're all getting oriented. Awesome. Um, I'm glad. I, I picked a really good guide. You did, to, right? <laughs> Love and so then, okay, so I'm hopping off. I think we've confirmed with the the general feelings of everything around us. I think we're in the northern we're hemisphere. We're in the northern hemisphere. Okay, yeah. there's giant fossilized tears from John Muir, and I'm up in a canopy tower. Okay, what continent? Because there's a North America, there's a South America, and it looks like it's cut in half right here. So am I on the am I on North America? Am I on South America? Who North? knows? Yeah, North America. North America. Okay. I I know that we're in the Neotropics. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Who cares about these man-made right? designations no, like of what's North Hemisphere, what's South Hemisphere? Tell me about what a, what is a neotropic? It sounds cyberpunk as hell. <laughs> what's a typical tropical zone? I mean, I'm thinking oh. vines. I'm thinking jungly things. I'm thinking leaves that are big. Um, yeah, that's a good way to describe the tropics. Perfect. And so yeah. what kind of things? I'm up here, I'm looking around. There's birds that are pretty big and squawk in interesting ways. Lots of colors. What's going on here? A lot of biodiversity. Ah. A lot of biodiversity. That's as far as I know about like the mammal side of things, or even the tree side of things. Ah, right? well, what do you look at? You're at some sort of fancy Smithsonian thing. I'm guessing you're a scientist here. This I, place yeah. seems lousy with scientists. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or maybe the scientists are just full of other parasites that they've collected. <laughs> I study soil. That's what I know. Ah, I soil! Yeah. Okay. I mean, quick, like, dirt or mud? Oh, God, no. Never call it dirt. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. No, no. I'm sorry. Is no, that like no, a no. derogatory term in your field? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Okay. What's the What's the most preferred term? Is it just soil? Soil. Yeah, soil. it would be soil. And what do the cool soil scientists call it when they're trying to kick back and they're not trying to be fancy? Uh, soil. I think that's it. Okay. Soil. If I come up with a non-derogatory name, name like, for soil. Like, give me that that brown wrinkles. Those. Dirty, dirty earth pellets. 
Um, again, <laughs> dirt, dirt, not not a good good term there. No. Okay. Well, what's what's neat about uh, this this hummus? Um, what's sexy about soil? What is sexy about soil? Apart um, from the obvious. Apart from the obvious. No, I love that everything kind of starts with soil. Like, I actually think that your what's happening in the soil kind of dictates what's happening with your vegetation, what's happening with your animals. You can actually see there's a pretty strong nutrient gradient across Panama, and I think you get species kind of separating out based on those nutrient statuses in the soil, and I think that's amazing. You can't look at an ecosystem without taking the soil into account. That's the sexy part about soil. It is so important. That's why I study soil. Okay. And so what's going on in the soil? What kind? Because I look at it, I see there's a bunch of sloths running around here. I see scientists. But then I look down at the ground, I'm like, this thing isn't full of sloths. There's there's nothing even moving around in there. So what's even going on? What's happening? Because I can't see anything. There's a ton of shit moving around in the soil. Oh, really? Like what? Arthropods, you have earthworms, you have a bunch of bioturbation, and that's all, again, based on that nutrient status. If there's something that a microbe or a bug needs in the soil it's gonna end up in that location but what's cool is you get a lot of carbon sequestration into these soils because of the huge primary productivity that's happening in the tropics and all of that can get sequestered into deeper depths in the soil so taken out of the atmosphere and put back into the soil who's putting that in there is it the arthropods it's the plants and the microbes ah okay plants grow die get incorporated into the soil via microbial decomposition, and then all of the stable carbon that we want to take out of the atmosphere gets put deeper into soil layers. And some of the soil here is extremely old, early Holocene, so 5,000 years old, as you get deeper and deeper into the soil profile. Wow. It's really cool. And you can actually tell how old the different types of of mud and soil is? Yeah. How? Using isotopes. Radiocarbon isotopes. Isotopes. Go into this. Explain oh, it to goodness. me. I just hopped off in a canal. I'm a little discombobulated. <laughs> it's a little bit early to talk about isotopes, don't you think? But, so an isotope is... Is the ground full of isotopes? Everything has isotopes. So oh everything is made up of atoms. Everything's made up of atoms. All right, this is a good place to start. <laughs> you <laughs> were all talking, oh, everything starts with soil, but really no, everything no, starts with atoms. No, every ecosystem starts with soil. Every ecosystem, but everything starts with atoms. And each atom is made up of protons and neutrons, and you can have one atom of the same element have different numbers of neutrons. Boom, yeah. This is like, I got my carbons, and then I got some sort of fancy carbon, like, with extra numbers on yeah, it, right? So That's what I'm seeing. Yeah, so you got your carbon 12, you got your carbon 13, you got your carbon 14. Which is the coolest one? Carbon 14. Oh, okay, carbon. cool. Absolutely. What's so great about it? Um, so it's kind of, it's a radiocarbon isotope, so as it decays, you'll have a material that has a certain amount of radiocarbon, and over time, that amount of radiocarbon will become less and less and less and less, so you can actually... Use that. And so it's turning into like the lamer carbons. Well, it's it's like into a oh, carbon twelve now. No, no, no. Oh, no, okay. it turns. It actually turns into a, um, a daughter product, which it has nothing to do with. It's actually nitrogen. So what? as oh, wow. your as that radiocarbons decay, um, you can use that rate of decay to tell how old something is. Okay. Yeah. With how, what kind of precision? Like, um, I, could I tell like the the 
the dirt's birthday, like every year. I mean, like yearly the precision. older something is, the bigger the error bars are. So if you can get something that's, you know, let's say 5,000 years old, but you have, you know, plus or minus 300 years, that's pretty good. Okay. But if I had something from, like, the 50s, can I get that within the day? Probably not. Um, okay. and if you're looking at something from the 50s, you're actually looking at a, what we call bomb carbon. carbon. So in the... I, we were testing a bunch of nuclear weapons in the atmosphere. Okay. So we basically accidentally labeled our atmosphere by testing these nuclear weapons. So we artificially increased the amount of radiocarbon that was in the atmosphere. Ah, so we just put little, like, date stamps on, like, everything in the whole Earth yeah. just by blowing a bunch just of shit up. Just by blowing a bunch of shit up. So Classy humans. We labeled the atmosphere, and plants started to interact with this new radiocarbon. So they were taking in radiocarbon at the same rate that they were before, but now it's kind of more enriched in radiocarbon. So you can actually see that spike. And so this is, and this is the cool curve. carbon. We're this just, cool we're just adding more. Yeah. We were like, carbon-14's awesome. Let's blow some shit up. Invite more to the party. I think it was more like, oh, we're in the middle of the Cold War. We should probably get really good at making nuclear weapons. Let's go test a bunch. Uh. I think that's how. It was completely accidental, but it's really a cool tool. Um, and that's how we can date more early things, like more um, carbon that's been fixed within the last 500 years. Ah, okay, cool. So then we can get real high resolution. Yeah. And so your your goal is you want to see how old different parts of dirt are, Not right? Not really. <laughs> I, my thing is microbes. So I want to know what material microbes are using within the soil. So... I want to use radiocarbon to measure CO2 that's coming off of the soil from different depths. So if a microbe is using something that has been recently fixed, so a new type of carbon, that's going to have a different radiocarbon signature than something that's older carbon. And if, they're, if microbes are using older carbon, that's bad news bears. That means that they're tapping into this protected carbon that we think is kind of buried deep in the soil, taken out of the carbon cycling climate equation. But if microbes are tapping back into that because of environmental change, such as drought or, um, you know, spiking things with more, more, more plant material means that microbes have more energy available to decompose some of these older types of carbon. And if that's getting released, then that changes what we think, how we currently perceive the global carbon cycle. Ah, got Okay, so these microbes, they got to eat something. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to see, are they eating just like, oh, hey, a tree died, a microbe started eating it, yeah, or is it like I'm digging into like last year's Halloween candy exactly. stashes? Exactly. Ah. Actually, that's a good analogy. Okay. So if you're a microbe and you're hanging out in the soil and a tree falls and the first thing hey, you guys. Is the, oh. When did you get here? Okay, uh, who's, who's this? Oh, it's just some existential dread. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I've, I've been feeling that a little bit. I'm always here. Always? Always. Dang. Um, I, but I've never really heard you speak that much before. I was just really interested in this conversation that you were having about radiocarbon. Oh, okay. So uh, well, I'd would you want her to... It sounded like she had a really interesting point going on. Uh, yeah. 
Well, well, so what were you saying about Easter candy? Oh, so yeah, oh, what oh. do you like about this radiocarbon? This radiocarbon? Thing? Yeah. Um, I think it's an amazing tool. I'm so I'm so happy that you're. Are interested. you sure? Um, pretty sure. Okay. It sounds sure. cool to me. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Oh, now I don't know. I'm pretty sure though. You're welcome. <laughs> So we're getting some some digs here. <laughs> so a little bit of doubts. Is this uh, is this common in your practice? When because originally like you must have had to start setting up these experiments yourself. Um, did you just go straight through with them? Did you have you ever had doubts about them? Existential doubts. Existential doubts about radiocarbon. Yeah. Um. They probably exist, right? I think they do exist. Okay, we oh, at yeah. least got that. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. just checking existential doubt. You're even sure of that? I'm never sure of anything. Okay. <laughs> it's all who I am. Oh, dang. How, how does that feel, uh, being so doubtful all the time? It's a good place to be a scientist. Oh, how so? Oh, well, just because you can always question yourself. You can check some balances. I feel like it's an important thing to just check yourself. Ah, so are you kind of like... Uh, in, you know, the art world, we have, uh, you know, these, these muses sent by the gods to give inspiration to mm -hmm. creativity and arts. Yes. Are you kind of like a muse of like, mm, maybe I fucked that up? Oh my god, so artists have muses that are like these gorgeous creatures, but scientists have I'm existential Christ. That's our muse? I'm the calliope of science. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Who I believe is a muse, but I'm not sure of that either. Oh, dang. Yeah. Wow. Well, how long how long have you been doing this? Is this like oh, are you a, are you so you're an ex, you're an eternal creature casting doubt upon scientists since the dawn of sentience? Hmm, okay. Yeah. What about would you say that is? <laughs> Maybe two hundred thousand years ago. Okay. Okay. We're gonna have to do some fact checking. <laughs> yeah. I believe that's when anatomically modern Homo sapiens came about. Okay. Yeah. At least, yeah, the existential doubts at least uh, couching ball their terms. Parts. There's a lot of a lot of. Yeah, I need to use some radiocarbon parts. dating to figure that one out. <laughs> but those error bars are going to be With quite those large. Error bars going to be pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, I love the concept of existential crisis being a scientist muse that still, that still like hits home pretty hard yeah how oh how, how has she been affecting oh you my goodness. how did oh you know you goodness. wanted to be a scientist oh my god and how even, are you sure uh, i'm never sure oh my god every single day i think you know i could just pull the plug right now and uh either go be a bartender or live on an island somewhere mm -hmm. just plan b there's always an out always an out why don't you I love science. I love science. I love studying soil. But there are What's times... the favorite part? Just the partying with that C14? <laughs> the radiocarbon parties? Mm -hmm. Or the microbes? Or the microbes. I think it's the microbes. I think it's Or is it the leaf litter? Together. Or is linking. it the gases? It's linking. So how do you know? It's linking everything together. It's everything. How do you choose? It's every... You're so good at that. <laughs> I think she's had practice. <laughs> <laughs> Approximately 200,000 years of practice. <laughs>
Have you, as we mentioned earlier, this seems like a strange place full of scientists. Yes. Do you, is, is this like, it's so is this kind of like a summer home for you? Do you just, yeah, just oh, hang out here? It's a high density of work for me, Andy. I'm always busy. There's always somebody else. You? Are you, have you just been like stationed here? Or yeah. Or are there multiple, oh. Well, I mean, it's all me. I'm just a concept, really. Do you take different forms with different different scientists when you you know like, like Yes. Sometimes I'm your parent. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you go Sometimes in. I'm your reflection. You never know. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes I'm just on the canopy tower waiting for this conversation. It's very fascinating that you took the form of a wine bottle though. I feel like that <laughs> really speaks to me. It does. I knew. I could sense it in you that you would most recognize a wine bottle. Yes, the Gato Negro, I believe. Caps up. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I saw that in Every you. Every time. And yours is a little bit more difficult. It's um quite amorphous. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering, yeah, how do you, I mean, I could get little bits of this, like, mm, well, you know, maybe jumping off of a boat in the middle of a canal, saying bye to all my friends abruptly. And... How did you know to do that then? Oh, Jesus Christ. Are you sure that was the right place to get off? Uh, I don't know. I, what if you could have chosen somewhere else? I uh, probably could have. Probably shouldn't have invested all that I have, literally, into just this one gambit in this strange place called Gamboa. <laughs> Thanks for rubbing this in. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, at least it looks kind of cool. Yeah. Nice canopy tower. The sun, sun's going down. Sunset is beautiful here. Yeah. Didn't bring a headlamp, though. There's no so doubts start... about that. Hmm. At oh, least... whoa. I know. Is that what we don't have a doubt about? Exactly. Sunsets are beautiful from the canopy tower. Damn. Everyone agrees. Wow. Yeah. Have you, is this like just something like you're like, I'm not even going to try to touch this or cast doubt on it? I feel like it would is... be wrong to cast doubt on that. Oh. Yeah. And what about sunrises? Sunrises are good, too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All beautiful. All right. But sometimes after the sun sets, it makes you wonder, is it going to rise again? Are you sure? Oh, shit. So, okay, so you, really, you're just kind of using the, the sunset. You're, oh, this is so great, but just so that you can just get that gut punch in right after. Get in a little bit more. Every sunset's oh, just no. another opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> no. May I suggest a headlamp made out of gigantic lightning bugs? Oh, okay. I feel like that would work. That seems great. I didn't know that we could also get cool, interesting advice from our existential doubt. Sure. Wow. Yeah. Have you, do you inspire lots of scientists and inventors with your doubt? Sometimes. Sometimes well, I've squashed things. Really depends. Okay. <laughs> what's your favorite success and what's your favorite squash? Uh, Historically. Let's see. Well, okay, going back in time. I think my favorite success were the aqueducts. They were very interesting. Oh. Yes. Before that, people just letting water just splash around uh, wherever. It was pitiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So but how did your doubt lead to uh, some aqueducts? Someone was like, maybe I shouldn't just be sloshing? It takes a strong mind. You have to overpower me. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So that's that's part of your role here, too, is, is you're not just, you're not hoping to just quash things. You're hoping to be defeated in some ways. Well, that's the only way that you can succeed, is if you can uh, overcome your existential doubt. I'm really here for you guys. Don't ever think that it's a bad thing. Uh -huh. Yeah, I have your best interests in mind. 
did you have any any uh, field work uh, recently? What's your? You've been talking more of the theoretical things, Alex, about that you're kind of doing partying with the C14. But what does a C14 party look like? Because I okay, hear it okay. don't stop degrading into other things. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the most recent field work that we did was actually in four different sites across Panama, um, and we captured CO2 for this transition period, and this was kind of where my existential crisis came in. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Fieldwork um, is one of my favorite places to be. I don't know if I should <laughs> be glad or terrified that you say that. Usually just terrifying. terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> but we were waiting for the transition, so... What kind of, what do you yeah, mean what, by what trans was transitioning? The, the dirt into mud? Sorry, sorry guys, sorry. Mm. Getting way ahead of myself. Oh, sorry. We were, you said dirt. I did say dirt, I'm yes, sorry. Yes. Dirt is not inert, Andy, remember that. Dirt is not inert. Ooh. So, we were coming out of the dry season, waiting to go into the rainy season. So mm. we're waiting for that sweet spot, that transition where you're not really dry season, but you're not really rainy season. Mm. So you were literally moving into and microbes are waking up and things are starting to happen. So we wanted to sample radiocarbon from respiration at that moment. So we had three different people that were going to uh, make the decision on when go time was. And of course, when you have three different people with three different opinions using all the same data, and sometimes even, not even data, just like their gut feeling. How do you know if you're qualified enough to even make that call? Exactly. <sighs> or how do you know that somebody else is qualified enough to make that call? Exactly. Now, you, now this is like empathetic existential <laughs> Comes and in so many flavors. all three of you are wrestling with her at right? the same time. She yes. was there the whole time. I was just tapping you on your shoulder and I was saying, are you sure? Here's so the funny. wine bottle. Are, <laughs> are you the one who should be making this call? So... We ended up sampling at a time where two out of the three people were okay with the timing of the sampling. So we went into the field over three days and took 36 CO2 samples, which is a pain in the ass. And How does it work? So because... You're walking around in the dirt, you just got a CO2 net soil. swooping it around. Mm -hmm. We have to get you like a dirt... Coin jar. Anytime you say dirt, you have to put. Oh, you're so right. Apologies. So, we have collars, which are basically cut off PVC pipe that we put into the ground that we can put a chamber over to capture CO2, to capture respiration. But. And that's from the microbes breathing. That's from the micro decomposing okay. and releasing CO2 and a bunch of other gases, but we were really interested in the 14 CO2. So, the rate of CO2 release from the soil was pretty low. So we're, we're talking, you know, low enough where we couldn't just go out there, take a sample in, you know, 15 minutes. We had to put a chamber on top of these collars to build up a sample. And some of these rates meant that in order to get one milligram of carbon to run for radiocarbon, we had to wait for that CO2 buildup in a chamber for four hours. So yeah. that's when you're doing 16 at a site across all of our sites. That's a lot of hours of just sitting there doing it. It's a lot of hurry up and wait. Mm -hmm. and, and you can't just do them in parallel either? Well, we only had, so this is where, you know, we made three chambers. 
even though we were doing them supposed to be in pairs, where you're comparing two different sites to one another. So when you only have three chambers, it's a little bit odd trying to catch everything at the same time. So mm -hmm. it was a little bit of a logistical hiccup on our part, but ended up working out. Just How are you sure? Well, we're running the data now. Thanks. <laughs> Existential crisis. What happens once you have the data? We analyze it, figure out what it means. Mm -hmm. Again, with maybe three or four people all looking at the same data. How do you know what it means? All different opinions. Um, yeah, we got a jar of micro burps. Yeah. Yes. Then you, you send farts. it into some magic machine uh -huh. that says... Here's how old your micro burps are. The machine says this is how many radiocarbon particles you have. And okay. that's how you can... If you have more, is that newer? If you have more, it is newer. So if you are enriched in radiocarbon, that is a newer material. If you are depleted in radiocarbon, that is old material. Cool. Is there like transition material that would appear? Like, how do you define new? Bomb, we call it bomb stuff. So things that happened. Oh, pre bomb, after, mm -hmm. post bomb. Gotcha. Bomby. Something looks bomby. It's a new one. Yeah. So we're kind of hoping for bomby soil. I said we're soil. hoping for bomby respiration. Bomby respiration. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping microbes are using newer things. They're not tapping into that. Leave older. that old stuff. Leave, leave that around. old stuff alone. Cool. Well, we should be getting to. Our wonderful segment. Poke it. Oh yeah, it's everybody's favorite segment time. It is Poke It, where we ask the hardest hitting questions on our podcast of if you should or should not poke things. We're going to be going to each of our guests, Alex and Existential Dread, the kind of epitome muse of all scientists, and we're going to give you a thing. We need you to discuss, should you or should you not poke it? Very first, at the very top of the list, carbon-14. Alex. Oh my god, poke it. Poke it. Just fuck it. Yeah, just go get in there, get it, mess with it, analyze it, get all up in there. Poke it. Okay. Alternate opinion? Existential dread? You can poke it. But poke even it. if you do, what's the point? Oh. Tough. Tough. Okay, maybe a more ballpark one. Um, I've been noticing these adorable little, like, hopping kangaroo rat-looking things when I was up here. I heard them called agoutis. Um, should I go up? Should I poke those things? No. They look cute? No, don't poke them. Don't poke them? No, leave them alone. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. What should I be doing with them? They look very adorable. You can feed them. Feed them? Okay. Or maybe don't feed them. No, I think less human interaction. No okay. human interaction. Just let them be. Alternatively, mm -hmm. you could trap them and eat them. <laughs> okay. Well, this is good. We're getting There's lots of different viewpoints on here. Fucking dark. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, another, uh, our next topic is... Regular carbon. Not no fancy carbon-14. Should we even bother poking it? Alex, you had strong opinions on that carbon-14. What about regular carbon? Say, trap it. Trap it and bury it somewhere. Trap it. Should we... Because you were talking about these trees. You know, they fall down, they go into the soil. 
and uh, they get all locked up, and we don't want the microbes to be eating them. Why don't we just chop down all the trees, toss them in a big hole, put them where the microbes can't get them? Maybe right. dump a bunch of bleach in there or something. Keep what? the microbes out. Wouldn't that be the best? No. <laughs> Existential dread seems to really be con contemplating this. No. no. Clear cut the forest, no. bury it in a pit. I mean, no. that's one way to sequester carbon. Yeah. No. Aren't these trees just big carbony, gassy things? You could also maybe throw them in the ocean, another anaerobic environment. Mm, okay. I mean, why not? What's the worst thing that could happen? Yeah. Alex? No more trees. Why no is that bad? Because they're sequestering, well, they're actually not sequestering carbon, they're making it to nature. Do they only sequester carbon? Is that all that trees do? No, that's not all that trees do. No, I'm very against just cutting down the trees and throwing them in a hole. Suit yourself. <laughs> Okay, so that was our answer to uh, poking regular carbon or not. Um, caimans! Um, I've heard Alex, um, before I was talking to this animate bottle of wine that represents all of your, your fears and doubts about your scientific work, and they were saying you work down in this cool big pit kind of near Gamboa. Yeah, Lots of cool crocodiles and caimans down there. Mm -hmm. You ever poke those? You go... Get out of my way, Cayman. I'm poking you so I can poke some of this carbon here. I try not to poke the Cayman, but I do poke the area that I'm walking just in case the Cayman happens. So I could accidentally poke it. Okay, so you're doing some, some pre-pokes. Pre-pokes, I could pre-poke. Okay. A cautious pre-poke. Is that a good idea, existential death? Seems fine to me. I mean, I think poking a Cayman is just a new opportunity, oh. if you will. I like it when you're positive about these things. <laughs> or at least you spin some some dark things a little bit positively. And then our final question. We live in a strange place. There's giant canal splitting the continents and the hemispheres possibly in half. Uh, it's still up for debate. Oh, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, still. But, uh, oh, but either way, lots of jungle, big weird canal, big boats in the canal. Should we go poke those boats? I hopped off one. That's kind of like a poke. Mm -hmm. Prolonged poke. Prolonged poke, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, should I go up to any of them? Hey, check it out. I'm going to say no. No poking of boats in the canal. But aren't they the ones spewing out this extra carbon? Yeah. Can I just give them a little nudge and be like, hey, cut that out? Um, no, I'm studying for my boat license, actually, the canal. Port Authority boat license, and they say do not touch, do not poke boats. So okay. Follow, I'm just following the rules. That's all I'm doing. That's good to know that there is an official rule oh, an official in the rule. license: don't poke the don't boats. Poke boat. <laughs> if you remember from Finding Nemo, he did receive some advice, and it was touch the butt. Now, the what? Wise, the wise. If Nemo didn't try to touch the butt, mm -hmm. then what would have happened to the movie? That's true. I'm going to leave you with that question. That's very good. When we, we all need to think about what franchises we might be contributing to in our daily lives and actions. Uh, which brings us to our, our final segment of the show, which is... Plugs time. So, 
we basically don't ever pay any of our guests, and a lot of our guests just kind of barge onto the show like uh, existential doubt here. Hey, I'm um, always here, guys. But, uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> we want to make sure that you're getting something out of this, so we want to give you the opportunity to plug your shit. Um, what you have like a cool tool that you'd like? You have a sweet uh, Etsy store that you're selling some some soil on. You got a whole bag of carbon fourteen that you're trying to you know pawn off on the gray market, uh, what, or maybe a lab website or something like that. What what would you like to use our vast audience to plug? Oh my god! Um, so Instagram, um, the project here in Panama. It's called Parched. Um, at the Parched, moment, like, oh, I need to. Like, need oh to yeah, because it's, it's looking at the effect of drying in uh, tropical rainforests. Um, so the Instagram is at parched.panama. Um, so check it out, see what we've been doing. Great photos. Are we um, going to see lots really of carbon cool. 14 in these photos? Because I've been itching for it. I don't think you'll be able to see any of the carbon 14. But they'll be there. They'll be there. Oh, okay. yeah. Do you suggest setting off bombs? Um, I've actually thought about what does science need, and I think a second Cold War that sparks interest in science, that relabels the atmosphere... You heard it here first! <laughs> okay, guys, <laughs> double plug, um, a nice Instagram page where we can check out lots of cutting-edge scientific research, Fun as science. well as, yeah, a, um, a call to arms for the <laughs> of the world. Fill up the atmosphere. We need more trackers. We want to get this data really precise. So start blowing shit up. Hopefully kind of unique things, I'm, I'm guessing. Yes. Yeah. Maybe every couple of years if we, if we can handle it. <laughs> An existential doubt. What, yeah. yeah. What do you want to share? Plug? Anything? Um, may I recommend overcoming me? That's part of the fun. Oh. And also, you can check out my Instagram, which is at ecologically underscore yours. For pictures of things that will make you happy, including boats that I haven't touched. And most recently, a cute little snail I saw in the forest the other day. Wow, poke-free boats. Poke-free boats. snail, did you poke it? I didn't poke the snail either. Okay. I don't like to poke nature in general. Hey. I like to leave it be, let nature be nature. I can awesome. agree with that. Except when I kill seedlings, but that's different. That's for research. Okay. <laughs> Are you sure you're doing the right thing when you're killing those seedlings? I feel research? horrible. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, you can learn more about that. That's it. <laughs> ecologically yours. Yes. Ecologically underscore yours. Yes. And Alex, yours was parched.panama. Yes. Oh, sound like wonderful places. And now our lovely co-host, Tasneem, isn't here right now. And usually we have our final segment. Reflections with Taz. is just a little segment where we just want you to reflect on something. Mm. And so today, we want you to reflect on atomic bombs. Ah. Reflect. And that's Reflections with Taz. <laughs> so thank you both for joining us. And we'll see you around. Uh, hopefully we can get this Cold War started. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
is terrifically. And I hope that you can beat up uh, your wonderful sparring partner, um, Existential Doubt here. And yeah, I'll catch you all around. It doesn't look like I'm going to be getting Gamboa. So, catch you all.